Welcome to I'm Obsessed With This, a Netflix podcast about the films and TV series everyone seems to be watching on Netflix. Over the past couple weeks, those titles have been the Netflix original series Umbrella Academy and Dating Around, the Netflix original film High Flying Bird, and especially last night, Roma. And we are all going to discuss why. There will be spoilers in these conversations, so check the show notes for timestamps in case you want to avoid certain segments. But first, let's meet Charles and Megan. Hello, Charles and Megan. Hey. Hello. How's the kombucha? I mean, vinegary enough? It's very spicy. (laughs) But is it good? Do you like it? It's delicious, yeah. Megan, how's your nothing? I I regret not requesting a kombucha. Why didn't you? I I don't know, because I I panicked. I made it very clear. You did. Any beverage. I know, again, and I panicked. Why did you panic? I don't. I panic. What one would you to have chosen? Three to- probably a kombucha. This is my favorite kind of kombucha. It's the best one. Ginger it's- ale. I won't say the brand because I don't want to act like we're. this is an ad. But you can guess. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> like, the one you see everywhere. You can guess. Uh, but kombucha. I could talk about kombucha for a long time, which is disgusting. And I know that I have to stop myself now. Okay. Um, I have a kombucha kit that I have not even started using yet. Oh, I got it as Christmas present. Do you trust yourself it. to make it, though? It kind of freaks me out, but I want to try it. Do like, they give you the mother? I told you I was going to say, like, when you have to cultivate the mother, it's like a little little Metroid, and you have to just, like, grow it. Have you seen Pacific Rim 2? No. I was watching it. I saw one. I was watching it on the plane last night. Do you remember how, like, Charlie Day, like, links his mind up with, like, the, the thing? What? It's a it's a big part of the second movie, and you see it in a tank. And I'm like, oh, it's a kombucha mother. <laughs> <laughs> see, if I had known Pacific Rim Tomb were about a kombucha mother, I would have gotten my ass in the seat. It's, I don't know. There's Maybe. still time. You can still watch okay. it, it, it sounds like. One. Enough about kombucha, well, enough which about kombucha. I feel like is not the last time I'll be saying that in the course of this podcast. <laughs> um, before we move on to the Oscars, which I think is number one topic of discussion this mm. week, I want to talk about something that we open every show with, which is what is next on your Netflix list? Okay. What are you watching next, Megan? What am I watching next? I think having just torn through Instant Hotel, mm-hmm, great. which is phenomenal, it's Escape to the Continent, which is similar to Escape to the Country, which is a show about... Um, old British retirees who are mm-hmm. looking for country homes. Escape to the Continent is the same formula, but they are just looking for country homes like in Europe. Okay. That There's is like a best exotic Marigold Hotel vibe, like yes. old British people retiring. Yes. It's okay. um I will watch as many episodes as are available to Escape me. Escape to the Continent. Yeah, it's amazing. Do they sell their original homes? It, and it, then it's move? Uh, yeah, they're like selling their original they're like boring like suburban homes like in the middle of England and they're looking at like wineries in Paris in France or like things in Germany and they are often like oh my god can we rent out part of this so we can like make money because we're retirees and we you know we're buying this giant crumbling mansion Mm -hmm. the hosts are very affable I watched half of an episode and I would like to watch more sounds good um yeah I'm very excited that's my sweet spot on Netflix personally Um. What about you, Charles? So I'm coming off of watching Sex Education, mm-hmm. and oh. it's so just kind of like, not heady or heavy, but I've, it's left me feeling like I needed a palate cleanser. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so next up on the queue is actually Nailed It Mexico. Oh, nice. Oh, right? Because yeah. I'm, I'm, super, I'm super curious to see sort of like how the formula translates for like a different audience. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it's like it's not Nicole hosting it. Right. It's kind of like you want to see if that same kind of energy mm-hmm. like resonates. I get that. Um, and also just to see like, are Americans, are we really just not crafty? Because I feel like every time I watch Nailed It, I'm like, you guys just follow the direction. It's, it's like, like it's, right, it's right there. Just do it. And there's always the one contestant who's like I'm not gonna look at the directions. And, and you're like, what the hell is why wrong with do you? you want to? Like, there's money to be won. Right. Someone's like, here, if you bake this cake. All things being said, they're yeah. relatively simple. Fondant, you roll it out, you put it on. Da 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 da. 
and I, I don't want this money. I don't, I'm, just, I'm just gonna $10, wing it. Ugh. I would $10, gladly $10. follow directions for $10,000. <laughs> Let's talk about the Oscars. Oh boy. It was a big night for Netflix in general. Definitely. They won four Oscars. Mm-hmm. They won Best Cinematography, mm-hmm. Alfonso Cuaron, Best Directing, Alfonso Cuaron, Best Foreign Language Film, and Best Documentary Short mm-hmm. for Period, End of Sentence. Oh, so that's three right. Romas, one documentary short, which was arguably one of the best speeches of the night, too. I thought so. I thought so, too. Um, but what was your favorite part of the Oscars? What, what was the big takeaway? The biggest takeaway for me was that it was so much better without a host. I mean, it was still a very long show, mm-hmm. I thought, and it was, but it just felt like it was a lot zippier without, um, without a host. I do also think that had Amy Poehler, Tina Fey, and Maya Rudolph decided to host the whole thing, I would not have been upset. Mm. I would not have been upset, but I would have, it would have been the same old stuff. Yeah. Like even funny people kind of suffer in that environment. That's true. Because you're, you have all these like forced bits, like we have to do another Ellen selfie. Mm. We have to do another thing. And they can't all land. And they can't all land. And they usually don't. Right. And then once the momentum gets broken up, then the show kind of feels like it's, right. And then it's like it trips over itself. And then you, you zoom out and you're like, oh wait, this, this whole thing is ridiculous. This is the same shit that it always is. (laughs) Yeah. Normally around like, 10 30 10 45 during an oscars telecast i am like exhausted and so angry that the host is still happening that the show is still happening (laughs) and last night around that same time i was like oh i like checked in with my like anger levels and i was like oh i'm just tired now yeah and they (laughs) were like i looked down at one point and it was like there are only four awards left yeah and we've got we're making good time yeah we're really just zipping along i love that it was good uh best picture green book not a big fan. A I was gunning for a Star Wars Born, I think. Really? I was, yeah, I just like wanted it to have something. Why? I wanted a surprise. Uh, uh, I like, I mean, people people just like responded to that movie in a fun way. And the mu- and I was listening to the music in the morning and I was like, this is so fun. <laughs> I went into a gunning for a Star Wars Born and then halfway through when Black Panther started winning a lot of technical yeah. awards, I was like, maybe Black Panther will win. Yeah. And so I was like, maybe it will win. Mm. And then I realized it was not it was going to not win. Gonna win. I thought for a second Black Klansman would win whenever Spike Lee went up and I was like, maybe it'll win. No. no, thought maybe Roma for a while because he got two. That's what I yeah, honestly like. Roma, I thought was the front runner. And then yeah. people were. I saw some jokes on Twitter. Like, um, I saw a good one that was after Glenn lost. Mm. It was like, quick, someone give Glenn a producer credit on Roma. Yeah, I saw <laughs> so that, that she can too. win something. <laughs> right. Um, and I was pretty sure it would win by the end. And then a few big shocks. <laughs> what were you expecting? I mean, honestly, I was expecting Roma to win. Just be, just looking at the Oscars as sort of like a celebration of the kinds of films that Hollywood loves, and mm-hmm. you sort of look at the front, and you sort of look at you know everyone who was in the running. I personally, I liked A Star Is Born. Mm-hmm. I had a great time watching it. Mm-hmm. The movie doesn't do anything particularly novel compared to you know previous iterations, which mm-hmm. isn't a knock against it's it. Classic. It's a classic, yeah. but it, it is you know it's it's a myth at this point. Yeah. And while myths are enjoyable, I don't know that they really sort of qualify at least not for me personally as being like best film material mm-hmm. like congratulations Bradley Cooper Gaga you did great like you guys are like <laughs> fab like yes more of this please but like calm down mm-hmm. um, Green Book again like personal opinion ew no yeah. no and then, yeah. like just knowing everything that we know about Green Book mm-hmm. um, from the lack of due diligence that the producers did in mm-hmm. sort of reaching out to the Shirley family 
immediately disqualified it from any sort of recognition, which just makes the win that much more baffling. Yeah. Um, I, it's, it's, it's commonplace for the Academy to be wildly out of touch with the culture, but this was an instance in which people who worked on the film were just like, yeah, we didn't do our jobs all that great. Yeah, what's yeah. the problem? Right. And, uh, Very defensive about it. During this, like, <laughs> d- apparently during the ceremony, I feel like there was a variety report where one of the screenwriters was behind stage being oh, like, yeah. something to the effect of, I didn't even know the Shirley family That's existed, right. which yeah. is like, well, my dude, where did you think <laughs> he came the, from? Yeah, where did he spring from? And that from? was right after he said like, oh, I was told explicitly by Shirley not to speak to his family. So it's like, so did you know that the yeah, family right. existed or not? So it's that kind of thing. Just, just like just tell the of, truth. Right. Then you have Bohemian easy. Rhapsody, which is a bad movie. It was a terrible film. It was, it's, it's an objectively bad film. It's the first, this is the first year in, I mean, I can't remember when that I haven't seen all the nominees. I have not seen Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, really? Yeah. I, I'm, it's I haven't so seen it. honey. It's so bad. Oh. <laughs> it's so bad. Everything is it worth the watch? Like, is it that crazy? It's almost like, uh, it's almost like a technical achievement of badness. I saw the, the clips <laughs> the, the of the editing. editing. And, and, and the thing is, you see it online and you're like, oh, someone's, this This can't be real. But that is it. It's and it's, real. It's, it's, it's rough. And it's, it hurts to look at. Mm-hmm. But if you're a Queen fan, which I feel is, that's the reason it's made so much money. Yeah, People totally. fucking love Queen. Yeah. People love Queen. And it is just Queen's greatest hits with some very um, questionable and not well-crafted narrative written around it to sort yeah. of string one song together. It's like yeah. a concert. It's like a concert movie. And like Green Book, like, questionably sourced history mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. not great I, I am and then again to go back to Roma I am sort of surprised now that I think about it it's about movies in a way mm-hmm. that Hollywood loves to celebrate yeah. like it's about Alfonso Cuaron's childhood and mm-hmm. yes it's about Cleo and yes it's about these like these these women whose stories don't normally get told but it's also about Alfonso Cuaron it like is. it's about like how I became a director and like these things that impacted you know my creative process and mm. the things that happened in my childhood that made me the director I am today there are so many scenes that take place at the theater mm. like whether they're just like Cleo on a date or like the young boy watching a movie and like having his life you know flash before mm-hmm. his eyes like this is what I want to do right and it's also a testament to the ways in which the industry is changing mm-hmm. you know we all sort of when Roma first came out on Netflix and in theater simultaneously everyone's sort of like mm you know lifting their nose at it and it's like ah, oh, what's Netflix doing but it's right. like no 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 no, you guys like this is a I don't want to say this is a real film but it's like no like this is prestige film yeah. that you are meant to really sort of sit with and reflect on and sort of understand that there are layers and depths and a degree of nuance that demands attention mm-hmm. and recognition mm-hmm. um, and that's something that in my mind is like as a as an academy member, that's exactly the movie that you vote for because it's right. like Taylor, like it's it's almost unassailable. Mm-hmm. Like I, I, you don't hear critiques about Roma all that much. You don't no. hear right. ways in which people were really let down or disappointed by right. it. And it's like you, as an academy voter, you sort of, in terms of your posturing, that's like the easy choice. Just do it. Do mm-hmm. it. Like oh, I voted for Roma. It's like oh, that's right. That person gets mm-hmm. it. Yeah. It's like oh, I voted for Green Book. And so, oh, then <laughs> <laughs> there are quotes. There are quotes running in the press where it's like I voted for Green Book because I'm tired of people telling me what to do. Okay. It's like, oh, oh God. It, every Lord. quote from Academy member quotes are always the worst. They're it's incredible. So bad. They're so good. Uh, but another thing about <laughs> Roma and just movies in general that have sort of non-actors in the yeah. lead roles. Mm. And there was again with Elsie Fisher in um, in eighth grade. Mm, like yeah. we like so like we good. like actors who aren't actors. Yeah, like it's easier to root for them. So mm. like people loved Yalitza. People were so excited when mm-hmm. Marina got nominated because no one's really expecting Marina right. to get nominated. Right. So it's like the fact that Roma had these people that we could see ourselves mm. in was sort of a nice thing mm-hmm. too. It's also interesting the ways in which we sort of. It's not quite the same, but there was much more of a celebration of Gaga's transition into film. Yeah. Uh, 
<laughs> in a way that it hasn't been done for Yulita in the same mm-hmm. way. It almost feels as if people expect this to be like a one and done novelty thing. Like mm-hmm. this is just sort of like her first and only outing. Oh, look, she's at the Oscars for the first time. She's having yeah. a great time. Yeah. Well, she savors it. Right, right, right. <laughs> Whereas like Gaga's just like, I'm just going to wear God, a backup costume, call it glamour, and you're <laughs> oh all going God. to clap for me. Come on, come on. We've, we've Put seen like a moon that rock look. on my neck. Yeah, we've seen <laughs> that look from her that a few dozen oh, yeah. times. It's I mean, true. I would like to know, if she had been the front runner, I would like to know what she had planned to wear because there's no way she mm. planned to wear that. No. Like if she I thought agree. she was going to win. No. Whereas Glenn wore gold. Glenn was like, I'm to be fucking winning. Stage. She's like, I'm going to win this have goddamn you, thing. Have you seen her on the carpet and just like doing. I don't even know what to call it, but just looking around dramatically. Oh, yes. <laughs> I saw the, the... When, and there's no one around. It's a little just like Glenn Close in the corner of the screen <laughs> being like, no. Like, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, these people who lose when we root for them to win and they've been around forever, they will continue being around. Glenn Close is going to be fine. If anyone's going to be fine, it's Glenn Close. Very I'm not worried yeah, about yeah, Glenn yeah, Close. Yeah. Is, is America going to see more of Olivia Coleman? TBD will like England see her yes yeah. Yeah. she's such she's, she's so prolific still there, she's in everything yeah. but it's like Glenn we don't have to worry about Glenn um, I've never been but uh, next up we have a surprise performance um, please welcome to the stage Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper they're going to <laughs> they're going to they're, they're rolling in the piano now we're going to have them here oh, I gasped I asked them I to gasped. just do the same thing over again <laughs> um, oh my god that performance the world ends in eight days I have no idea how to stop it On a pot of coffee. Umbrella Academy. Academy. Umbrella Academy began as a comic book written by Gerard Way of My Chemical Romance fame. Mm-hmm. What? In 2007. Wow. It was a pretty popular comic book. Um, it has now been adapted into a series on Netflix starring, among other people, Ellen Page. Okay. Um, and it's sort of an X Men type story where you've got these children who were birthed from, you know, unknown origins. Like, imagine if one of us suddenly got pregnant and gave birth in a span of five seconds right horrible. now. Like if you were on the subway. and it, Yes, and it happened all over the world and there were dozens of these children who were born spontaneously. This is seven of those stories. <laughs> seven of those children are adopted by an eccentric billionaire okay. who dies, you know, some years later, like 20, 30 years later at the opening of episode one uh-huh. and his children who are all these like sort of weird super powery things mm-hmm. come together mm-hmm. and each of them has a power except one you know, put a pin in that. Maybe she does. She does. Um, and, <laughs> I assume uh, they're coming together to stop the end of the world, which is, you would assume, is the, the highest stakes imaginable. I would think stop so. Stop the apocalypse. Yeah, yeah. As many times as it's mentioned in the show, uh, it, they won't let you forget. The apocalypse is coming. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you know? The apocalypse is coming. <laughs> eight, eight days. The eight apocalypse days. is coming. Eight days. It's like, okay. bro, we get it. Like, okay. Charles, yeah. tell us. You weren't a big fan. You did read the comics. I did, yeah. So did you read them contemporaneously? Like, did you, yeah, you were a big fan. Um, I wouldn't say I was a huge fan, but I was at the ripe age where uh, Gerard Way. I was big, my chemical romance fan. Mm-hmm. Gerard Way and Gabriel Ba, the illustrator on okay. it, um, who you know created the series. They were making something that really spoke to my angsty seventeen-year-old mm. self. You know, it is very much an X Men esque comic. It has elements of the Avengers. It's all the Motley Crew thing. It's like, oh, we're a bunch of weirdos, but we saved the world. Mm-hmm. But it had something that really set it apart um, from something like the X-Men was that it was really um, upfront about the ways in which the mentor figure, Reginald Hargreaves, is kind of like 
an asshole. There's this long-standing, interesting conversation about the X-Men, about how Charles Xavier is a, like, a piece of shit yeah. mm-hmm. who recruits children to fight his war, and yes. many of them end up dying, you yes. know, and he manipulates them all and does these terrible things, and it doesn't always come to the fore in the X-Men comics, but it's something that is very much like an undercurrent. With the Umbrella Academy, it's, it's text instead of subtext. You know, mm-hmm. all of the kids have an understandable ambivalence about their father. Um, they all recognize that he has... Not ruined them, but he raised them in such a way where they were never able to become real people. Mm-hmm. You know, as kids, they were not just superheroes, but celebrities. Mm. You know, they do the press circuit. You know, they're standing in front for photos and things. Um, the six kids who are part of the core team. And you have Vanya, the one who we are led to believe doesn't have powers. Okay. She's always pushed to the side. And that's sort of like her thing. And gotcha. you can sort of, from a zoomed out view, you can see like, oh, Reginald doesn't know how to raise kids. He doesn't actually have the skills to be a proper mentor. He sees them as these fascinating oddities who can be spun into, I guess, a brand? Yeah, because mm-hmm. you, yeah. they have comments. Definitely, and, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so flash forward to them in their adulthood. They've all gone their separate ways. Mm-hmm. Um, one of them is a famous movie star. One of them is like a junkie. One of them has been on the moon. Oh, um, yeah. Same. One's dead. Um, oh, great. But also, one of them can see the dead, so they, they hang so out. He's around. That's <laughs> cool. That's nice to. Just, okay. Yeah, and so like it on like on its, on its face, it's very interesting. It has all the makings of something I that could be fascinating. This. But oh, <laughs> here's the but: the show plods. Oh, plod, plod, plods. Mm. And it does. It's interesting because we're coming um, up on a point where Netflix's like superheroes, like their Marvel superhero shows, are going to the wayside, right? Mm-hmm. So Umbrella Academy is like, oh well, they can still do superhero things. Let's see what's going on. Um, and there are a number of points throughout the series where it, it falls into a lot of the same traps in terms mm-hmm. of pacing. Um, there's a lot of showing rather than telling. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm Allison. I'm the rumor. If I tell you something that's not true, it will become true. And it's like, okay, Ooh, that's just, fun. That's, that's fun. It's fun. Wait, I love that. Show it to me. Don't explain it. Right. Like, Don't like, give me a lecture. Right, right, right. All of the flaws that make them interesting in the books are there, but they're not really mined in a way, at least at first, that that really makes you connect to any of them. Mm-hmm. The good thing about this show mm. and the thing that I was drawn to in this show, because I'm not a sci-fi person, mm. I'm not a comic person, yeah. so yeah. this show really isn't for me mm. in any way, but like I, I did notice that it's like structured well, like great cliffhangers at the end of every episode. Mm-hmm. I understand why people could be drawn to the show, even if this isn't necessarily their bag, mm-hmm. because like who can imagine higher stakes than the end of the world? I already said that, but it's, but it's true. But one thing that bugs me about this type of show... I think just anything about time traveling, with the exception of about time, mm. the movie, which I will defend yeah. it at the end. Oh my God, yes. Is that, that movie? Is that <laughs> not to go, you know, a complete one eighty? Oh, but can talk about that movies about time. movies and and any sort of like art about time travel fundamentally have these flaws mm-hmm. and these rules that sort of blow up the stakes, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. So like at the end of the at the end of the show, spoilers, mm. Megan. Fine. Um, you ready. certainly don't care. I'll um, watch one episode now. <laughs> uh, the the apocalypse finally comes. Thank they God. understand what causes it. It is Ellen Page's Vanya character. Okay. Also, can and we take a moment to just appreciate yeah. what her powers are? So all oh, of the so. kids have like wild, weird. They're not. They're mm. they're, they're not like traditional cool superhero okay, powers. Okay. Like, rumor sounds like an amazing, yeah, and hellish rumor power. Song. And rumor is like very important. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. 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 Um, you've got Space Boy. Okay. Um, who is just super strong as a child, but okay. then he gains a, a gorilla's upper body. What? Comics. Don't worry about okay. it. It just I'm is not what it is. Now. Okay. Seance can see the dead. Perfect. So Ben, the horror. Yes. 
Anyway, let's get to Ellen Page. Yeah. Her, so her. She's Vanya. Vanya. Okay. She, you learn that, you know, she'd been drugged her whole life because she's the most powerful of the seven of them. Obviously. Obviously. And her ability is not clearly defined. It has something to do with sound. I was going to ask you this because I wasn't. You're not, I was sh- you're not that... sure if it's vibrational energy, if okay. she's just making things vibrate at a certain frequency. Yeah, but... Stored energy or right. something. At certain points, she's moving things with her mind. Oh, it's Somet- one of those, like, catch-all mm-hmm. kind it's a ca- of... Right. She's, she, she's got MacGuffin powers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then by the end, her her musical talent has become so powerful the that she can, <laughs> she can fling beams of white light and then bleaches her entire tuxedo white. Hold on. She's in a white violin. In a white violin. And her siblings are just like, Vanya, no. Wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then, and then, and then, right? Is it after they stop her or before I forget? No, they stop her. They stop her. And they think it's all done. They think it's done. And then a beam of light shoots from out of her and hits the moon. What? The moon? Like the the sky? Like if if a ceiling opened up and the moon was there, it just hit the moon. And the the siblings are like, oh, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then, but, but then, like, chunks of the moon come out and they're it's like obvious. oh fuck the world is gonna this end. is the apocalypse that was predicted at the beginning of the show what? and interestingly enough this is where the series deviates from the comics because in the oh. comics they stop that um, I would hope so yeah it seems bad oh. okay well this is and that's what bothered me so it's like if if you're playing with time in this way if nothing matters then why do I care why do you, you know care? like what? especially by the end when this gigantic thing that they've been trying this calamity that they've been trying right. to stop for eight episodes just happens and they say do over right and they go back in time especially to try to because it. the do over comes at a point in the series where the emotional connections between the characters finally start to feel like something as mm-hmm. good as the entire cast it's like big casts are always like a tricky situation yeah. just because you have it's 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 um it's a puzzle how do you put together this story in a way that mm-hmm. highlights everyone and still comes together into something yeah my biggest critique for the show in the beginning is like it spends too much time trying to explain everyone individually and never really oh. you never really get the sense you never you don't have a chance to get the sense of what their dynamic as, as a family, a family yeah. is like right. and there's also this really heartbreaking and fantastic moment where you learn that one of the main ways that Hargreaves was able to convince Vanya that she was normal as mm-hmm. a child was by asking Allison her sister to mm-hmm. repeatedly lie to her Whoa. That's right. why she believes she doesn't have power. Wow. Right. Because as a ch- you, in flashbacks, you see that there were, there were he did attempt to train her the way that he, he did like, her siblings, right. but she, she just couldn't control it. And then ended up locking her in like a soundproof like what? bunker. It's real fucked up. Jesus. She's too powerful. Right. She's I Ellen mean, Page. And Obviously. The, and then to deal with, presumably with like the trauma of being a young girl being locked in a basement in a sure. metal tube, Definitely. you know, they bring her sister down to like, you know, try to I wipe see. it away. And then once Vanya learns this as an adult, there's this really great scene between Ellen Page and Amy Raver Lampman where you see, you know, that sisterly bond. Mm-hmm. Um, Allison is trying to tell Vanya, like, I love you. Mm-hmm. I did not understand what I was doing. We were children. Right. And Vanya, you know, understandably is just, you know, super not just pissed, but she feels betrayed and I could have been a part of everything that you guys had. I mm-hmm. could have felt like a part of um, this team. I feel like it's in that same episode where, no, it's, yeah, it's in the episode after well, she kills Allison. And the death of Allison, yet another thing where it's like, I can't even be sad about the death of Allison because right. we're just going to start back over again. Right. That's right. annoying. I mean, to be fair, all like all of my criticisms aside, it's not a bad show. Okay. Right? I would, it's, there are, like, there are, there are terrible superhero shows out there totally. that I just can't watch. And this yeah. is not one of them. Like, oh, that's if you, good. even if you're not a fan, even if it's, it's not necessarily a genre you're interested it's in, it's not, yeah. But... It's something that is watchable. But, okay. Yeah. Um, I love watchable. Yeah, but it is there. There are just times where I just like I, I'm like I can see what you're going for. I can mm. see I can see another version of this that's yeah. better. Um, 
but enough about Umbrella Academy. Yes. Let's move on. Let's move on to to the subject of romance. Uh, romance is that what you call? Um, what yeah, let's talk about dating around. Ugh, what dating a program. Around. <laughs> Megan, can you explain the the premise of dating around? The I new mean... six episode um, reality dating show that is unlike any reality dating show I've ever seen in my life. It is a beautiful program. There is one dater. Mm-hmm. There are five dates. The dater goes on all of these dates. The dater picks someone to get a second date. That is basically it. It's a beautifully edited. It's Have you gorgeous. Watched it? The, editing, yes, the yeah. editing is like, I, I mean. I think that that was the first thing that I was really drawn to in this show because it seems like dating shows are, have been in like a dime a dozen since, you know, the, the middle of the century, but like specifically yeah. my life since MTV. Mm. Totally. You know, like, these, like, like next. next. Yes, I was Love thinking, like, this is just like prestige next. It's yes, beautiful. Prestige. Yes. Shot in 24 frames per I second. Love, oh my God. Uh, like I a, loved next. A really like extreme widescreen yes. too. Like you've got whatever that ratio is. Like I was like, nice cinematic shots it's of people lounging. It's beautiful. Everyone. <laughs> yeah, filmed at night good. in New York. Beautiful Williamsburg. <laughs> yeah, but, I, but they, but they, beautiful Williamsburg. That's so much of Wherever they live they're ending up in Williamsburg I got awful a um, nightmare but they the way that the show edits these dates together which all happen across five nights did yeah you, did you look this did you read these I stories did, I did not I mean I assumed like after I watched the first episode I was like okay this is not one obviously yeah. this is not one night this poor person is wearing the same outfit five times in it's like the summer off. it it's looks weird, like though. like in Bake yeah. Off where they have to wear the same clothes every day yeah. to make it seem like, like they, they do it just, all in one yeah, day yeah I know yeah I was fooled by the illusion yeah and we're fooled by this too <laughs> five nights yep. and then at the end they they are told to pick their number two person their number two date sometimes that doesn't happen yep. sometimes they choose themselves yep. and then they sh- have one final shoot where they like meet them at the second date like mm. at a random like but the way that so the show weird ties all of this footage together it's like it like we laughed about Bohemian Rhapsody earlier like how terribly edited that yeah. movie is but this show is the it's complete masterful. opposite of that it's, it's it, amazing it seems like a like a like a master class I'm sorry in that. did we watch the did we watch different shows? I couldn't tell how much of it was. Is this editing that is designed to sort of highlight the awkwardness in oh, those moments where people aren't talking because there were yeah. so many moments where people were yeah. just like just like duh. just like mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, well, were you, were you, like were you, were you in, and yeah. it was not even in the car, but like uh, during the date, was like, were yeah. you in between a thought here or did, <laughs> or like, or did the energy literally like fall down? Rain, right. And so I wasn't, and I feel like that's purposeful. You're not really mm. supposed to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I ended up binging this on a plane and mm. thought to my, and I came Oof. away thinking to myself, like, trapped. these are designed to almost sort of reflect what it's like to feel like you're lost in the monotony of dating. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah. exactly. The repetition. Yeah. I used a lot of reality shows as background noise, you mm-hmm. know? Same. And, really? and yeah. dating around, I felt like I had to be Pay paying attention. attention. Mm-hmm. I had to look because I'm like, they were, I was like, who is this person who's annoying Sarah? Who is this person Ugh. Sarah is annoying? Like, like <laughs> right. all of these things I had to be very focused mm. on it and every episode flew by and yeah. I think and I was and I just see that in, in the editing the way that these really long dates were mm-hmm. just condensed into and it's also I think it's because there's no direction like, there's yeah, zero so like dating shows will tell you and here are daters you oh, know yeah. and, and they this were... is much more like it's almost sort of you are in the position of someone who's like at the table next to them like watching these people on a date yes. and you're just like oh how's this gonna was, work out it was very awkward voyeuristic so we've good. been there like yeah. where we can't even talk to the person we're at the restaurant with because you're because just like listening mm-hmm. It's... Listening to the terrible first date that Gurky was on. Ugh. What's his name? Josh. <laughs> the worst man in New York. The worst City. man in New York City. I think his name was Josh. The Gurky episode I really enjoyed. The first episode. What was that guy's name? Luke. Luke. Yes. Um. And he, he chose was like he, oh, he chose did... Victoria. Yeah. Oh right. You know that episode. Which is like what? 
Yeah, I which mean, one was Victoria? The, the blonde red? who was like, "I'm so annoying." Oh, oh no, that's that right. girl annoying. sucks. <laughs> what did she? I thought so. I good thought for she, good for them. Okay. To, I thought she was okay. Good I appreciated for them to end up. Together. I appreciated the openness. Yeah, I I like <laughs> I I was super turned off by the Jersey girl who was just like, oh, "This her? is me." Oh, I enjoyed oh, yeah. her. I'm brassy. And it's oh, like, I liked her. It's like okay, I like you brought an you bought a like an I'm a boss T-shirt at like Hot Topic. Yeah, she did. She had. I liked her little red jumpsuit. I was like, okay, the jumpsuit was cute. I was watching it with captions on at one point because I was watching something else with captions and never turned them I off. I always and watch like, TV Her with captions had a lot of like lips smacking. Yes, like smacks yes, lips. Yes, I love yeah. You have to taste it. Get some air yeah. in there. Oh, like, oh. I love, I know I enjoyed her. I, I think my favorites, well, Gerky's ending was an instantly iconic thing. Like everyone was like, well, wait till episode two. Episode right. one is a little rough, but episode two, you'll understand the point of the show. And yeah. Gerky, after five terrible dates, chooses herself. Gerky chose herself. And at the end, instead of like finding a man on the corner of like park Bleaker and whatever. And whatever, right. And the way that they were chosen was uh, in the interview with the showrunners, They she was interviewed about it and she was saying that like, well, she worked on the Bachelor shows. Okay. And so she's worked in dating shows and yeah. she knows that when you put out a casting call for people, you're going to get a very particular type of person. Right. Totally. And so it's like, if you want people who don't want to be on television, you're not going to find them on casting calls. So no. they were actually going around New York going to places oh. and approaching oh. random people. I was people wondering how they handled the casting. Because when you solicit it, you're going to get you're the person get, who wants to be on yeah, television. Yeah, you're going to get like a Bachelor region. Why the show was filled with people who looked very uncomfortable on television. Yes. Yeah. Like, like even the most, like if you you saw like some of like the, the beautiful people on this show looked uncomfortable where yeah. it's like they are the ones who we've been conditioned to see on Bachelor where it's like oh they're like schemers they're conniving they yeah, want to be here totally everyone looked a little weird yeah. and it it was easier to see yourself in all of them you saying that makes me look back and reflect on I like coming away from this I thought to myself like all these people are really bad at first dates yeah you know what I mean I feel yeah. like I like it's been a while since I was single, Same. but like I remember what it's like to you. You feel somebody out, and yeah. you have that energy, and you have that vibe with them, and no one really had like organic patter, yeah, in, in a way that would necessitate or justify like a second date in my mind. Totally. And so to see them just sort of like rise up triumphant out of the subway and be like, "You're the one," I'm like, yeah. "Why? Like how? Yeah. Like um the Lex." Um, Lex and Corey chose Corey. Oh, it was yes. not who I expected. Oh, I didn't. No, that I'm was, like, oh no, yeah. you're going for movie phone, dude. Like, movie phone, you, dude. Movie phone, dude. <laughs> you touched How, his hair. Who, who among us did not Google movie <laughs> phone? I was like, movie <laughs> phone gay guy. I was like, movie phone gay guy. I was like, holy shit. I mean, I, I looked up so many different versions and I could not find <laughs> him anywhere. Yeah. I was like, did he lie about movie phone? <laughs> movie phone was founded in the 70s and I don't I appreciate this guy. Yes. I was like, this guy might be a scammer. I was very stressed Which is maybe out. why he wasn't chosen because his scam was there. I mean... But I, I really like my favorite episode was Leonard. The weight of their lives was like an extra character in the show yeah. in the way that it wasn't it wasn't a character in the young people episode. Right. right. Where it was like these people who were dealing with like loss mm-hmm. and and, you know, decades of being in relationships mm-hmm. of like seeking out relationships. And so it just it it had it an, an element of I don't know, like melancholy to the whole thing. Yeah. yeah. And like it was it was sad in a way that I um, sad and hopeful in a way mm-hmm. that I'm very drawn to like my favorite <laughs> genre of things and we don't see enough narratives about like love later in life that's true you know it we very don't. much especially like you know we're all youngs here but someday so you know we'll be old eventually. we'll be old and like people are living yeah. longer and this is this is something that people really Ugh. do need to start considering yeah, like Christ. you may outlive your partner oh my god this got really morbid I know, but, I'm like, yeah. but it's, it's a real part of life yeah. that needs to be reflected in pop culture mm-hmm. more be it through you know fictional narratives or through reality TV and mm-hmm. to see it done so 
like not voyeuristically. Just, yeah, just, just really sort kind. of treat it with respect yeah. was yeah. like fantastic. I could watch this show for um, the rest of my life. It's so much better than like the Bachelor, like it any is. other. Well, the Bachelor try the Bachelor treats us like idiots. The Bachelor yeah. makes right. us thinks that we're going to believe that this relationship is going to work out when the precedent is that it always like fails, it fails right. immediately right, 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 right. afterwards. Yeah. And, and this show knows, like this show is too smart to say anything definitive. It's just mm. like, yeah. they got a second date, yeah. that's it. I like looked at it as like, hey, this show is about whether or not these people are going to hook up. The stakes are relatively low, yeah. Mm-hmm. which I feel, I wonder, I wonder, state. but I wonder how much that was like operant in the participants' minds. Like it's, it's oh. not, like it's not, like it's yeah. not, it is low stakes. It's not The Bachelor. It's mm-hmm. not, if it doesn't work out between you and whoever, yeah. you're not going to be on the front of a tabloid tomorrow. No, you're yeah. just going to go back to like your life, your life as a whatever. Down in Fide. Yeah. Down, exactly. But but I will say, like, now that we have this first, now that we have this first season, I'm not convinced that, I mean, if they make more, yeah. I'm not convinced that the other ones will ever be as pure as this one. No, right. because, because there was, like, everyone was caught off guard here. I had no idea what shocked. to expect. And I'm sure that no one thought that there would be, you know, scores of articles written about them. Like, who's your favorite? Like, right. like I saw, like, a fuck, Mary kill of <laughs> the Dating Around contestants. And it's like, I bet they didn't expect it. Because oh, right. like, you're getting one episode. It's just a date. It doesn't matter. Right. But, like, we all end up getting emotionally attached right. to these people whether or not it's whether it's 20 minutes or two hours or a season of television like, right mm, and unfortunately we... yeah and the way that like things work now is that you could do one episode of something and you could be you know as annoying as Sarah or as charming as Leonard and then you are somehow in some pocket somewhere mm-hmm. a meme or something for like the rest of your days yeah. right you're a very sweet person thank you um you know you have a lot of charisma um but yeah Best of luck to you, right? Thank you. Take care now. Oh my god, I'm gonna go home and masturbate. Last week I had a brief chat with the screenwriter of High Flying Bird, who won an Oscar for his screenplay for Moonlight a couple years ago, Terrell Alvin McCraney, and we talked about High Flying Bird, we talked about Roma, and we talked about what's next on his list. So let's listen to that. How did High Flying Bird fall into your lap? Um, how how was it the the follow up to the screenwriter of Moonlight's Oscar win? Um, High Flying Bird, I think we started it about four years ago um, in conversation, and so you know, um, even even the, the greatest augurer or um, oracle would not have been able to tell us what Moonlight was going to do. Moonlight was an independent film that Barry. Um, was shooting and filming at the time and we you know and andre was a part of it um and we and when we cast andre i was like yeah it's great because i'm working with andre on other things and so the truth be told moonlight high flying bird all of the the television show i'm working on the plays they're always just a they're always works that are happening at the same time usually and they just mature at different rates and so moonlight just happened to come out of the gate when it came out again Nobody on our side could have forewarned of the great success Moonlight has been um, and it continues to be. And so in the middle of that, I was also working on something else called High Flying Bird, which, you know, literally while we're on we were on press tour, Andre and I would be having conversations about the script and working on it. So it wasn't necessarily like, oh, I have this plan. It's going to work out this way. It was more so, you know, finishing what we started. And just happened to come out, you know, two years post post a uh, uh, best picture win. 
I, I watched an interview where you mentioned that it was Andre, speaking of Andre, who first gave you a copy of The Revolt of the Black Athlete. Um, That's true. And it sort of struck me that you were doing the same thing for the audience of this film. Like, it, it's a movie that ends with a homework assignment in a way where Zazie Beetz gets the book and she says, you need to read this almost to the camera. Can you just, it's like a, like in, in a weird pay it forward sort of way. Can you just talk about the significance of the book to you and how that sort of evolved from when Andre gave it to you to how it became this crucial element of the film? One of the reasons why Zazie says that at the end of the film is because for the majority of the time, I think a lot of people watching the film can think, yeah, this is about getting a player, um, Eric Scott, played by uh, Melvin Gregg, to think outside the box. And what's interesting is that Andre and and myself, at some point, come up with the understanding that Eric Scott is a player. He is the way the industry has been set up for the past, you know, 20 years has, you know, uh, made it so that young boys like him train up and they come to the industry and they do exactly, you know, what he wants to do, which is get on the court, make, you know, make whatever money he makes and, you know, retire with some name in a, in glory. And that's great. That's good. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, Spence and Ray both say, I ain't mad at him for that. But the real disruptors are the women. <laughs> the real disruptors are um, the people who get it. The people who get what Ray's trying to say are are women, are, you know, um, Jamero um, Umber's mom gets it. Um, Myra gets it. Um, Sam gets it. And so she's sitting there reading. And the whole time she's been saying, like, you know, you use these platforms for X, you know, with Instagram and the age of information, people don't even own their own image anymore. How's that possible? Um, licensing. She's talking to Myra about licensing rights, you know, for apparel. Again, things that we all have. I mean, go through your trunk, go through your, go through your, your closet. Tell me you don't have one pair of basketball shorts or um, a sweat that has some team logo on it. I mean, there's a whole industry and commodity made uh, field that is benefiting off of these people doing extraordinary things. And again, there's nothing wrong with that. But at the same time, it's like the folks who are in it sometimes don't know just how how skewed and how how much industry is being made off of their labor. And Sam is sitting there reading this book, and here are all the ways in which Black folks have used their platforms for change, especially their athletic platform for change. And how even until this day, 2019, marking the first Africans taken from the continent and brought to this continent enslaved, here is this book chronicling how that revolt has been going on, still goes on, flares up. He talks about it in cycles. He talks about sometimes, you know, people, some something will happen and will galvanize Colin Kaepernick. Something, someone will speak out and will will galvanize around that person, um, uh, Muhammad Ali. Someone will will say no or talk back, and we will, you know, there'll be a new a new understanding of what misogyny and um, massage noir are in the field, Serena Williams. I mean, like there are moments where we we watch the cycles of this this um, activism happen, particularly on black bodies, and it, it is, is deeply connected to a tradition in in the United States that, that we've got to pay attention to. We want forward motion, we've got to uh, focus on. And now that focus has got to stop being on, quote unquote, the men. 
And we have to look at these very strong activists who are women who are creating things. I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement was started by three queer women. Um, the and, Me Too movement, too. And the Me Too movement. Again, we, but we don't focus on that, right? We focus on like, well, you know, Colin Kaepernick's not got a job in these feelings. Like, yes, that's great. And that's wonderful. But I bet you if you go around Colin's inner circle, you find a whole bunch of young women or women in general who are aiding him and giving him advice and strategy. Um, and so that was really important for, for us um, to see uh, Zazie work in that way. Because she's the one who's done the most movement in the entire film. And only when you watch it on the second time do you go, wow, she went from being assistant number one to, be, you know, to basically running the Players Association. And now she's got this book in her hand. What will she do next? <laughs> have, you, have you spoken to Dr. Edwards at all about, about the book? I know it just had its 50th anniversary and I went to his Twitter account and he seemed very excited about the film. I've only spoken to him peripherally and I've said things like, thank you so much. And, you know, it's very nice to meet you. And, you know, your work is great. Andre and him have a closer uh, working relationship, which, again, you know, feels respectful for to me because you, what you don't want to do is sort of keep dragging a, a person like this through uh, those works over and over again. His work is is paramount enough that you don't really have to go back and, re- you know, what I, one of the things that drives me nuts as a writer is like people will read your script and then ask you 70,000 questions about the same script that they just read. And you'll be like, but it's on page three, you know? So what's great is that he's got all the information you want is right there. And for us, it was, re- it, for me, I won't say for us, but for me, it was very validating to hear him, to see him see a thing, um, see the work and then, you know, respond so positively. That's, correct me if I'm wrong, that's a line in the film, Andre calls it the Bible, I think. So it's yeah. like, imagine another piece of writing that is kind of unimpeachable. Like you don't question it. You just, it's there. Yeah. I mean, this was incredibly helpful, but I have one more question. I don't want to take too much more of your time. Okay. Just to throw it back to the podcast itself. Is there anything you've seen on Netflix lately? It could be an original, whatever, a film, a TV show that you've just been really surprised by that you recommend you know, to strangers right now. Huh. Well, Russian Doll. Is that everybody's? Everybody's saying that. So I should find it something else. Today. If it's the truth, then that's great. To be fair, I'm one of those people who likes to go back and watch the same thing over and over again. Um, oh, yeah, me too. There's an episode of Stranger Things that I'm like, <laughs> I love this. I need to watch this again. So I can't remember the name of it right now, but I'll, I'm sure, because I just scroll and go, that's the one. I'm going to see that again. Um, <laughs> Um, but I love Stranger Things and I can't believe we've been so long without it. Um, that's a little annoying, but that's not, that's not me complaining. That's just me going, just wish it were here. Was there an, oh, I saw Roma and that was, that was heartbreakingly gorgeous. Me and the crown spent a little time together, maybe too much time together. (laughs) And there are only, you know, like five seasons left of that. Yeah. But like, but Claire isn't coming back. So that's crazy. Oh yeah. Which is. That's, I mean, that's great. That's great. It's great. It's great. I'm not, it's not a problem. It's great. But, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I love Claire. Who is the, who is aging? They're aging her up. I already forgot who's playing the older queen. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. I mean, I haven't, I've just not looked at it because I'm like, it's going to happen and I'll just look at it when it happens. Um, But, you know, there's this great feature. What I'm really obsessed with is that there's this great feature on Netflix. And I think it's called um, One More Time or like... Watch it again. Watch it again. That's that's my favorite category on Netflix. Just stuff I've already seen. Me too. too. It's like I can go back and be like, 
she's got to have it for nine more times. And like, you know, um, yeah, so that, yeah. Um, well, I really appreciate you talking to me and uh, I love the film. So uh, have a great one. Have a good weekend. Oh, thanks. Thanks so much. So with that, I think we're done for today. Okay. Thank you, Megan and Charles, for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. This for was really fun. Us. This was great. This was really fun. Um, what are you gonna watch when you get home? Um, I'm going to watch Escape from the Continent. I'm gonna put it on <laughs> while I finish working. It's perfect background. It's perfect background television. Yeah. What about you? I think I'm actually going to start watching Norseman. People keep oh. recommending it to Wait, me. Which that? Who's that? I have no Who idea. Is she? Um, is she Netflix or is she something else? In 790 AD, the Vikings oh of Norheim have a hectic schedule that includes <laughs> what, do another they really? one of that. I'm sorry, the Vikings. <laughs> that includes it's... pillaging, plundering, and enslaving others. Wow, they are really busy. I thought hectic schedules were a purely contemporary, Me like too. modern <laughs> thing. It's like rune. Do you like... find it difficult to pillage the village next to you? Oh, uh, you're a modern Norseman. <laughs> it's, like... it's like rune day planners just booked yeah. every day, like pillage, rape, like enslave, like check. I mean, that sounds fun. Opening for of you. 2001, like they're like, we've got a hectic schedule. I have all these bones. I gotta. This is wild. Oh so we all have hectic schedules. Thank you so much for being on here talking about Umbrella Academy and dating around. Um, we will see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to I'm Obsessed with This. Goodbye. <laughs>